Join me in reading God's word. I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle, so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me, and as I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. O Lord, make me know make me know my end and what is the measure of my days let me know how fleeting i am behold you have made my days few a few hand breaths and my lifetime is as nothing before you surely all mankind stands as mere breath sila surely a man goes about as a shadow Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. May heaps, may man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O Lord, for what will, what do I do? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me scorn the scorn of the fool. I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it is you who have done it. Remove your stroke from me. I am spent by, by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth what is dear to him. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Look away from me that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. I invite Dave Shackler to come and open us in prayer. In fact, let's stand together. Let's pray. Dearest Heavenly Father, what a beautiful morning you've made. So many beautiful things that you make for us, Lord. This life, your creation. Father, help us to remember that it's just a brief thing. And we're just here for a little while. So, Father, while we're here, we pray your blessing on our worship time. Father, help us to remember our days, but remember you, Father, the most, and to rely on you, for you are trustworthy. You are faithful. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. It reminds us and teaches us all these things. So, Lord, we just... Uh, Pray your blessing on Dan and his word, uh, as he, uh, your word, as he brings to us so faithfully. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we remain standing, let's read together the catechism question for today, which is number 29. How can we be saved? And let's read this together. Only by faith in Jesus Christ 
and in his substitutionary atoning death on the cross. So even though we are guilty of having disobeyed God and are still inclined to all evil, nevertheless, God, without any merit of our own, but only by pure grace, imputes to us the perfect righteousness of Christ when we repent and believe in him. And the short answer, only by faith in Jesus Christ and in his substitutionary atoning death of the cross. And then let's read together the wonderful passage, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And let's remain standing for our first song. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above in the realm time. Fixed upon it, time on thy redeeming I was lost in utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a home. Liver grace is always with me, and I'll never be alone. Come thou found, come thou king, come thou Prince of Peace, may your bride to sing. Come thou fount of our blessing, come thou fount, come thou King, come thou precious Prince of Peace, may your bride to sing. Come thou fount of our blessing. To grace, how did a debtor daily I'm constrained to be? Let thy goodness, like a better, bind my wandering heart to thee. Lord, I wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Is my heart. Oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy friends above. 
Come thou fount of our blessing. Come thou fount, come thou king. Come thou precious prince of peace. Near your bride today we sing. Come thou fount of our blessing. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. What love could remember no wrongs we have done? 
omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, noon every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us. His blood was a payment, His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Sings the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. And Titus 3.5 echoes the sentiment of Hebrews, of Ephesians. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand. Draw me closer, Lord, my 
set on you. Let me run the race of time with your life enfolding mine and let the grace of God let it reign. Oh, Holy Spirit, Lord, my comfort, strengthen me, hold my head up high, and I stand upon your truth, bringing glory unto you, and let the peace of God let it reign. Oh, Lord, I hunger for more of you. Rise up within me. Let me know your truth. Oh, Holy Spirit, saturate my soul and let the life of God fill me now. Let your healing power bring life and make me whole and let the peace of God let it reign. Oh Lord, I hunger for more of you. Rise up within me, let me know your truth. Oh Holy Spirit, saturate my soul and let the life of God fill me now. Let your healing power bring life and make me whole. And let the peace of God, let it reign. And let the peace of God, let it reign. Daryl Cummings, come and lead us in prayer. I have a little bit of scripture to read, and if we could bow our heads while I read that, and then I'll pray. That's Second Corinthians 3. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
Dear Lord, um, what a great blessing we uh, enjoy. As the song says, is not a, not by our own, uh, but by what you did. God, you came and paid the cost that we deserved. Um, and not only did you leave us there, uh, but you brought us into where we can be transformed and renewed and not um, left as medium, but get to in, enjoy the the process of glorifying your name, sharing your word, and bringing light to other men. God, I pray that you change our hearts. God, let the Holy Spirit be real to each and every one of us, and let us acknowledge uh, his prompting. God, I pray for clean hearts. You said you would sprinkle a new heart on all of us. I pray you do so. We beg it. God bless the rest of this service. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated if you've not already done that. Well, again, the, the catechism question of today is, how can I be saved? And it's just an incredible question. And if you really think back of last week, we were talking about, about hell. We are deserving of hell because we're sinners. It's really all we are deserving of is, is hell. And, uh, and so when you think about it in light of the catechism, questions are asked one at a time, and they're asked in order, sequential order. And so... If we are deserving of punishment of God's wrath, if we are deserving of uh, being completely not just re not removed from His presence, but removed from His blessing, then uh, then the question comes, and it's really a very uh, very stark question: How can I be saved? And, and so it needs you need to think about it in the light of what we've just talked about, and then the question comes: Then well, then how can I be saved? And uh, so in, in Acts chapter 16, you don't need to turn there, but uh, one of the there's a passage there where Paul and Silas um, they've been out preaching the gospel. They've just cast out a demon out of a a slave girl who was being used to foretell the future. The people of the city just were up in arms over what they said was uh, that that Paul and Silas were were um, uh, just uh, Giving teaching that wasn't in line with the, with the Jewish beliefs, and and anyway, they were beat and they were thrown into prison, and uh, they find themselves in prison uh, in uh, Acts 16 verse 25. And here's what they do: they start to sing, and they start to give praises, and they're praying out to God. And uh, there's a, a Philippian jailer that is in charge of them, and he's been told, uh, by no means can you let these prisoners go. And uh, so during all this praying and singing and praising God, it's, there was a great earthquake that happened. And in that earthquake, uh, it said that the, the, the very foundations of the jail were, were shaken and, uh, and the chains all fell off. All the prisoners, the doors opened wide, and the jailer is awake, awakened to this and just thinks, great, everyone is gone. All the prisoners are gone. 
And uh, in, in, in uh, the Roman uh, practice, if he, if he failed in his job, he was going to be sentenced to death. He would be put to death. And so rather than be humiliated by that, he figures, I'll just take my own life. And so as he's about ready to plunge his little Roman dagger into his heart, the Apostle Paul calls out and says, hey, stop, we're all here. And, and so as I'm, I'm sure that in the process of, of hearing the songs, hearing the prayers, hearing these people, it says that all the prisoners were listening to them. I'm sure that even the, the, this Philippian jailer heard all of this, all this praise, all this glorification to God. And so he comes to, to Paul and Silas and he, he falls on his knees and he asks the question, what must I do to be saved? It's just an incredible question. And Paul and Silas give him an answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be, you shall be saved. And again, it's a very quick answer brought out of fear and trembling and wondering what's going to happen to him. They give the answer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It goes on later to say that in that text that Paul then explains salvation to them. He and his household and all of his, he, the, him and his household are all saved and they're baptized. And it's just an incredible uh, narrative, if you will, uh, just a, a, a caption of salvation in the early uh, history of the church. So we have to ask the question, based upon the catechism question, how can we be saved? What really transpires at salvation? In Ephesians chapter uh, 2, uh, uh, verses 8 and 9, are just amazing verses that we've all used. We've all used these verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. That's verse 8. But that we, 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 we use this, this passage all the time. But in Philippians 2, starting in verse 1 through 10 then, Paul explains salvation in verses 1 through 6. He tells us, uh, he tells us what happens when God saves. That God literally brings us from death to life. In the first six verses, he said, you and I were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And God brings us from death to life. In verse 7, uh, the Apostle Paul, through the words of God, tells us why God saves. And verse 7 says, So that in the coming ages, God would show himself, uh, show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Then in verse 8 through 10, and especially 8 and 9, then he tells us how God saves. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just an incredible passage. I just want to break it out, but I just want to just kind of start with a, a, a little this is a, not a true, a true story, but a fairy tale story, okay? So you remember the, the, the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty, do you not? Sleeping Beauty, okay, Sleeping Beauty is cursed, to, uh, to, uh, cursed into a deep sleep and nothing can wake her but the kiss from a prince. So let's just imagine that you are the princess and you have been awakened by from this deep sleep, from a kiss from the prince. All the guys are going, yuck! 
Okay, but let's just imagine, and this is a huge story. You've been awakened, and all the news stations want an interview with you, and the first question that they're going to ask is this, what did you do to break the curse? What did you do to break that curse? What would you say? Well, here's some, some things that you can't say. Well, I just thought about it, and I just decided it was time to wake up. You couldn't say, well, I just claimed the victory for myself. Nor could you say, I asked the prince to come, and he came. You couldn't say those things because you were in a deep sleep. You were cursed. You couldn't say those things. So what could you say? You would say this. I didn't break the curse. The prince did. I didn't break the curse. The prince did. And that's what the Apostle Paul is speaking about in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. How did we break the curse of sin? We did not. We did not break the curse of sin. God did it in Christ Jesus. That is the breaking of the curse of sin. It was the prince's, uh, the prince's work on the cross. We weren't sleeping beauties. We were lifeless corpses, dead in our sin. And God had to make us alive, not just wake us up. So today I want us to consider three aspects from Ephesians chapter 8, uh, 8 and 9 today. Number one, that God saves us by grace through faith uh, in Christ. Verse 8, that God saves us by Christ's merit or His work, not ours in verse 9. And then in verse 10, God saves us by making us new, a new creation in Christ. So let's just look at verse 8 here. For uh, First, God saves us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Okay? By grace, you have been saved through faith. There are two words that stand out in this phrase. Number one is grace. Number two is faith. Let me just, just throw out some things that here's what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is God's kind disposition towards sinful people who can't get their act together and can't obey and can't find their way to God. Grace is God's consistent provision for His people who can't provide for themselves. Grace is God's activity of good to those who, active, who are actively bad. Grace is not grading on a curve, bumping up a letter grade to a student who really tried hard. Grace is giving an A to a student who, who rarely showed up, who never passed the test, who never got any question right. Grace is God's goodness to the undeserving. It is not adding sprinkles to a wonderful cupcake. It is making a stone into a cupcake. Grace is an outpouring of good when only wrath is deserved. One of the things, folks, that we need to understand about Scripture is that God's grace runs through the entire Bible from Old to New Testament. Grace is God's kindness and caring, bringing, and care, bringing life where death reigns. Grace is Jesus saving the undeserving. That's what grace is. God's grace is what we are saved by. That's it. 
God's grace is what we are saved by. Then the other word that is, is crucial in, this, in verse 8 is this, for by grace you have been saved by faith. And so God's grace is, if God's grace is the basis for salvation, <clears throat> then faith is the instrument of salvation. Faith is what lays hold of the, of the grace that has been extended to us, given to us. It is the hand that reaches out and receives the offered gift. It is the proof that grace has come. It is in, by faith in, and even I believe that, that faith itself is a gift. The book of Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith as this. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith look, is looking forward. Our future hope creates present faith. Faith is not a leap into the dark where we don't know what's going to be on the other side, hoping that everything will turn out okay. That is not biblical faith. Biblical faith looks at the world and sees God's hand over all things. It sees and understands and believes that God is in complete control. Faith understands that through God, that though God is invisible, His promises are certain because we have seen them through the work and the presence of Jesus Christ. That is how we know that grace is real and true. That is what we believe in. We know that faith is the rock-solid surety of, of God's promises based on His character. And so one of the, you know, uh, we, we, we say these things a lot and as we're going through life. Um, my God will never leave me nor forsake me. How many have ever said that? Okay. He is always there. He is ever present. My, my God is good and he provides for me. He supplies for me. He meets my needs. He is there. He comforts me. Well, there are so many promises of God that we see in scripture and they are lived out. They the faith is the rock-solid surety of His promises based on His character, on His very attributes that we cling to. It's looking to God and trusting that His grace is sufficient to save because it always has been so. It is believing that God will never, ever fail us. So as we look at the first part of verse 8, and then we look at the second part of verse 8, which says, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Here's what Paul is saying. And it's what the entire scripture, especially the New Testament, is saying. The totality of our salvation, of your salvation, is by grace through faith. And that is a gift of God. Salvation is God's doing alone. It is God's doing alone. The mover... Of your, of your salvation, of my salvation, is God and God alone. He is the mover of it. Nothing inside of us compels, uh, in us, compels God to save us. We need to understand that. Nothing in us compels God to save us. God saves us merely because He wants to. In His mere mercy, He chose to save you and I. Nothing in us would compel God to save us. Here is the, here is, uh, th this is, this is the, why this is such, is such good news. If your salvation, if my salvation was up to us, then you and I would never have it. If it was up to us, you and I would never have it. We would never want it. 
You and I can't muster enough faith apart from God's grace to believe. You and I can't receive grace without God giving it to us. Grace, by definition, is unmerited favor. Dead people can't work or merit anything. And that is so important for us to understand. We want to believe that somehow that we play a part in this. That we play a part. The question is, how can I be saved? It's only through the grace of God. Some people would say that it's up to us to choose God, but Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says that we can't choose God and we won't choose God. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 7 says that God must make us alive to Him first, that, that He must, uh, one of the songs that we sang, He must regenerate us from the inside, He must renew our hearts. God must do something in us before we can even make any move towards Him. Um, before God acts in our hearts, here's the, here's the fact, we don't want Him. We don't want Him. Those are sobering words to, to, to think about, to consider. We are led by our own sinful passions to want God. We need to become alive to God. That's what God's grace does. It grants life so that we can have faith. When the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts from the inside out, we can then come to Him, believe in Him, repent to Him and before Him, and trust in Him. God's grace comes before faith, not the other way around. God must grant the gift of faith by grace. And as Jesus said in John chapter 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And a few verses later, it says, Jesus says these words, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The whole Ephesians passage is written to show us this truth that we are completely unable to bring about our own salvation. Did you hear that? That's why this question is so important. Folks, in our catechism, as we go through these questions, how can we be saved? How can we be saved? Again, we need to understand this truth that we are completely unable to bring about our own salvation. We are totally dependent on God to do it all. Jesus said in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So when you couple that with John 6, 44, that, that uh, as I refer back to that one then, that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And now Jesus is saying, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. When you couple these two verses together, it is about... Uh, 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 it, is, it, it, it brings these two things together. Uh, but you and I, um, we come only because God draws us. The totality of our salvation is found in God's grace alone. And we just need to wrestle with that and grapple with that. So we don't need to worry about the amount of faith that, that we think we need. The amount of our faith is not the key to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It's not the faith that's the key. The 
It is the object of your faith that is the key. And that object is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. When you come to Jesus, you are placing your faith in him. You are placing your life in his hands. So by grace, you have been saved, past tense. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. By God's grace, you have been saved through faith. Saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. If you are in Christ, you are as secure as Christ is. And where, Christ, where is Christ now? He is seated at the right hand of God, at the throne of God. So what greater assurance do, do you need than to know that your, by God's grace, your salvation is as secure as where Christ is right now in heaven? Your sin can't kick you out of God's love because your righteousness, or shall I say your self-righteousness, never put you in God's love in the first place. Your sin can't kick you out of God's love because your righteousness never put you in it or in a place to deserve it. God saves by grace through faith. It is a gift that you are invited to receive. So the second thing is, is as, as we look at this, not as a result of work so that no one may boast, you know, folks, one of the things that we need to come to grips with is Christianity is the only religion, religion that does not include self-made men or women. It only includes God-made men and women. It only includes people that have come to him by grace. God saves us by Christ's works, not ours. So why does Paul bring this up? Why does he even bring this up to us? Because in every other religion and nearly every other area of life, what you and I do is what we get. What you and I do is what we get. So you work hard, you get promoted, you pay your dues and you'll, get, you'll be accepted. But in Christianity, it's completely different. No man or no woman has ever become a Christian by their own effort, by their own work, by their own merit. The only way we become Christians is by the work of Christ on our behalf. So yeah, you are saved by works. They're just not your own. They're Christ. You're saved by Christ's works. We can't boast in, our, in ourselves for something that someone else has accomplished for us. We just cannot boast in it. That's why the gospel is the good news that we hear, not the task list that we accomplish. And my friends, that's one of the things that we wrestle with all the time in our, our Christian life experiences and, and yes, we are to do, but we only do because of what Christ has done in us. We don't do so that we gain Christ's approval. We do it because we have been approved. Amen? We have been approved, therefore we want to do. Everything changes in us. The, good, uh, the gospel is the good news that, that though we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God has saved us through through uh, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so one of the things that we need to understand is that the gospel makes beggars out of all of us. We are in need. We are in need of something that we don't have, can't get, can't earn, don't deserve. We're beggars. The gospel makes beggars out of all of us. It shows us 
that we are all equal. No one does good. No, not one. The only way, um, the only way any of us will ever make it to God is if God in his grace comes to us and calls us to himself. That's salvation. That's the incredible story of the gospel. When we accept this with empty, with the empty hands of faith, we enter into a, a, a new reality, so to speak, so different from our past that the only way to describe it is what we find in verse 10, which is new birth. We're given new birth. We're, we're made new creatures. God saves us. So this is the third point. God saves us by making us a new creation in Christ. For we are his workmanship created in Christ uh, Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them or in him. Why can't we boast in this Christian life? Because we didn't make ourselves Christians. That's, so, that's why we can't boast in this Christian life. We are his workmanship. Literally, we are God's masterpieces. Remember how we started this, this passage? We, 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 uh, uh, we walked, the, the scripture in Ephesians 2 says that we walked in trespasses and sins. Notice how it ends in this chunk of, from verses uh, 1 to 10. We walk in good works which God has prepared for us. Do you see the radical change? We were lost. We were, we were blind. There, we, were, we had no desire to seek after God. There was nothing that we could do in and of ourselves to come to God. But in grace, God, God gives us his grace. He pours his grace out on us so that by faith, which I believe both are gifts, that we can then reach out and accept the gift that he is giving to us. It's a radical change. We go from zero to completely full of God and his blessings in Christ. It's a radical change. How did it happen? It happened because Christ or God recreated us in Christ. He recreated us. And my friends, that recreation of that is happening, we call it sanctification. God is is sanctifying you and I every single day of our life. He is making us more like Christ every single day of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I need that. I just desperately need that. I need that recreation of He is renewing me. He is rebirthing me. He is changing you and I. He is sanctifying you and I every single day of our lives. We need God to rebirth us. When he does then we can, we can do what he asks us to do. We can put away the evil works that we once walked in and walk in the, in the good works that God has prepared beforehand. By God's grace, we go from darkness to light, not as a result of works, but for works. Do you catch that? Not as a result of our works, but for works, good works that he has prepared beforehand. So what are these good works? Paul doesn't say hear what they uh, write in this text, what they are. But if you read through the rest of Ephesians chapter 3, 4, 5, and uh, 6, um, he, is, he describes them. But, but let me just say this. The one way that you will know that you are a Christian is that you have a new desire to do good works and you will actually do them. Not only will you have a desire for them, but you will actually do them. 
When Christ is in you, when you and I have been saved by grace, when, when uh, there is a new desire not only to do good works, but, there, but you will actually fulfill them. It's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing to, to, to back that belief with doing. Okay? But the only way we can even do is because God gives us a new desire. And that recreating of ourselves, that new desire for good works, then is actually in carrying them out every single day of our lives. But, God's, but Paul's main point here is that our, our good works are the result of being made alive in Christ. And so one of the things is that, that we need to understand here is that being, being in Christ comes before doing in Christ. And this is a wrestle for all of us. Being comes before doing. In Christ, we are in Christ. And because we are in Christ now, then our doing is for the right reason. Not to earn God's favor, not to earn his acceptance, not to earn the acceptance of other people but because of what he's done in our hearts and in our lives. So what is God's message? Here it is, folks. Like, what is his masterpiece? You are his masterpiece. You are his message to a watching world of what God does to sinners by grace. As you do the good works that he has prepared beforehand, you are the message of how God raises people from the dead. You know, this morning I... I'm reading through the scriptures and I'm reading through the New Testament. And, and now not only has Christ raised people from the dead, but now he gave his disciples the ability to raise people from the dead, to heal them of sicknesses. And, and it's just amazing when we, when we see the, this, this transformation. But the thing that we need to, to, to get a hold of here is that, that as we do the good works that he has prepared beforehand, it is the message that God has completely and totally transformed your life from someone who was dead into someone who was radically alive. You are God's message of what redemption looks like. You are the message of God's goodness and God's grace. Even if you don't feel like it today, you are the message of God's faithfulness every single day of your life. So in your suffering, you are saying that Christ sustains you through that suffering. In your joy, you are saying that Jesus um, is the cause for your joy. You and I are his workmanship. No, no piece of art creates itself. I, I love art. Yeah, I love to look at art. I don't know about you guys, but I love art pieces. I just love I can go to an art museum and just look at art. I just love it. Okay, but here's the thing that we have to come to grips with. No art piece ever creates itself. No art piece boasts like, look what I did. Think about it. It's kind of comical, isn't it? So no one boasts in the brilliance of the Mona Lisa as an art piece. Okay, but here's what but what we do boast in is the brilliance of Leonardo da Vinci. We, we boast in the work of the artists. We boast in his work. We boast in the work of God and his grace to save us by faith. That's what we boast in. So let me just close with, with this. 
how much more, think about this, in, in light of the art that you are God's workmanship, his art piece, how much more valuable are you as one of God's originals that have actually been reborn, rebirthed, renewed? How much more valuable are you than the Mona Lisa? Because you are. You and I are. The gospel gives us the answer to that. The gospel is the news of God's purchase price. It, was the, it is the blood of His only Son, Jesus Christ. There is no greater price that God could pay than the price of His Son. And I know that this is new stuff. Folks, this is stuff that for the church that we shouldn't have to deal with. But we do need to deal with it. We do need to be reminded of the fact that you and I aren't what we are today because of ourselves. You and I aren't. We don't exist as a church because of what we do. We exist. We are what we are because of Jesus Christ and His grace that has been bestowed upon us. There was no higher price that God could pay. But it wasn't an easy transaction. So you remember the story about Sleeping Beauty? Okay? Who, who, uh, who was cursed? Um, and... and uh, she ended up being kissed by the uh, by the prince, but it, it wasn't an easy task for him. The, the the evil, wicked witch kidnapped him. He had to fight his way out. He had to take the sword of truth and the and the shield of of virtue and and fight the evil witch who had now turned into a huge fire breathing dragon. And he flings the sword and pierces the dragon's heart, killing the the evil witch. In his victory, he pursues the princess, finds her, and kisses her. And she awakens. That's a fairy tale. But what happened on the cross is not a fairy tale. Amen? That is not a fairy tale. Christianity is the true story. Jesus allowed himself to be kidnapped or embodied in flesh, making himself like us, yet without sin, satanly constantly harassing him. And on the cross, he was bound, nailed, and hung to die. He uh, he didn't fight for his life. That is just amazing to me. He fought for yours. He fought for mine on the cross. That's grace. That's grace written all over it. He fought for you. He fought for me. He let the fire-breathing dragon kill him. and the dragon. Uh, but the dragon's victory did not last long. The sword that was thrust into the dragon's heart was destroyed at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So again, someone comes to you and says, how were you saved? How am I saved? Here's the deal, folks. I did not break the curse. Jesus did. I did not break the curse of sin and death. Jesus Christ broke the curse for me. For by grace, you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift to God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is a message that we need to be reminded of all the time. For by grace, you have been saved.
through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. And give glory to God. Give praise to God. Acknowledge God. Be thankful that He saved you. Folks, be thankful that He bestowed His grace upon you so that you could even open up your eyes to see the truth of His love. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, buried uh, you know, beneath the waves, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the waves heard my despairing cry. Can I tell you, hearing the despairing cry is you coming to the end of yourself. Coming to the end of yourself in your sin and in, in the death of your, of your life and seeing your need for rescue, seeing that you, there's nothing that you could do and responding to Jesus Christ who reaches out and grabs you and plucks you out. That's grace. That's faith. Crying out is faith. That is the story that, that is the message that you and I have to bring. It is the message that you and I have to live every single day of our lives. Jason, will you come as we, as we close? We're going to sing the third verse of one of the songs that we sang earlier today. And let's stand as we, as we uh, sing it, and he'll just bring you right in as we, as we close, and then I'll close in prayer. What the words riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, Every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. Father, we come before you right now and we thank you that, yes, our sins are many, but your mercy is more. Your grace is more. Your faithfulness is more. Your forgiveness is more. And Lord, for by your grace, we have been saved through faith, and that is not of our own doing. It is a gift from you, Lord. And we stand here right now, and we give you glory, and we give you honor, and we give you praise. God, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation that you so freely give to us. Lord Jesus, we, we ask, Lord, now that as, as that gift has been bestowed, and it's not of our own doing, Lord, that we would respond by doing the things that you created us to do. Good works, Father, for you, in your name, in your power, in your strength, in your spirit, God. We ask that you would renew us, God, and make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that that process will not end until the day that the trumpet blows and you call us home to be with you. Lord, you are making us like your son, Jesus Christ, every single day of our lives, every minute of our lives. And we want to say thank you for that. God, we give you praise. 
God, we thank you that this question can be so richly and so completely answered. How can we be saved? Lord, it is your answer. It is your solution to our sin problem from start to finish. And we want to say thank you in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God blesses you. Go from here.